Awesome. Welcome back to the Price Ball Podcast. Super proud today to have Ryan DeLuca here, formerly of Bodybuilding.com, now of Black Box VR. Um, Ryan, uh, I was, thank you so much for joining us. Today is, uh, what is this, June 29th or April May, 29th? May 29th. No, May 29th. It's not summer <laughs> it's yet. Memorial Day it feels like it. <laughs> it feels like it. I was just out in the sun. Uh, but yeah, super excited to be podcasting today on Memorial Day. Uh, when Ryan DeLuca nominates Memorial Day, you say yes, and you clear out the barbecue. To Let's do it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so obviously, we have Mike Roberto here, uh, and we're happy to jump in. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And yeah, Memorial Day, it's a great day. We had a lot of fun last couple of days, so kind of recovering today. <laughs> so it's a good excuse to, to do something productive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, it's it, it's it's good work, but it's, it's uh, you know, not a complaint when you get to, to podcast about some stuff that you're you're passionate about. So, uh, okay. so awesome. Well, I guess let's let's do some background here. We met at the Arnold for Muscle Tech's uh, joint booth with you guys with Black Box, but your story with fitness goes a lot further back. So, if you want to maybe give us maybe where your your beginnings were, we could kind of start from there. Uh, sure. So, you know, like a lot of people, I was really into fitness in like junior high and high school, you know, the whole idea of trying to get buff and ripped, you know, mostly for girls, but also for sports, <laughs> you know, kind of the normal stuff. Um, and just really fell in love with it. You know, a lot of my friends got into it, of course, and then kind of fell out of it. But I just like just loved everything about it. And I was that kid that was, you know, reading the muscle mags like in class. It was always kind of weird because, you know, some friends make it funny, like you're looking at guys in bikinis. And it's like, no, it's not like that, <laughs> you know. But uh, just totally fell in love with every part of, of fitness, bodybuilding, the industry, and and graduated high school in 1996 uh, here in Boise, Idaho, and wanted to do something uh, with the internet because that's about that time you started to hear about the internet, you know, very early days, you know, of like bulletin boards and, you know, creating little websites and just really fell in love also with this idea of like creating my own business and doing something around fitness. And at first started with just a, a small little website, wholesale-creatine.com. <laughs> it was just this one product. And it was uh, creatine, of course, that was just becoming popular at that moment, you know, and it was very expensive. You could buy it at GNC. I think it was like $120 even back then for like a month supply. So the idea was, how could I use this internet marketing knowledge that I've been learning? You know, I've been doing a bunch of different types of things for a while. And how could I use that to sell a product? Found a supplier, put my own labels on it, and just like out of the garage started, uh, you know, selling that product online. And what was really cool is like we could sell it for like, I think back then it was like $60 for a month supply, you know, which was obviously still expensive compared to, to today, but much better than, than going down to the mall. And at first almost nothing happened, didn't really get any orders. And then after a while, started to pick up. In fact, one time I went, went back to check my PO box to see if there were any orders. And usually there were none, but this day they said we have so much mail, it's in the bag in the back. <laughs> you know, so something kind of clicked, probably some search engine somewhere kind of finally picked things up. And that's really what got us started. And then I really fell in love with this idea. Also, I fell in love with a lot of stuff back then. <laughs> I'm, that's the kind of person I am. But just of having something even bigger, you know, this was going well. And the name bodymillion.com, somebody owned it, but they weren't using it. So you were typing in and just didn't go anywhere. And so I, you know, I emailed the guy. I was like, hey, you know, you know, I would love to buy this from you. And are you want to sell it? At first he said, no, we're going to use it. And then about a year later, I contacted him again. And he's like, well, okay, we're kind of busy with other stuff. Uh, how much? And we went back and forth by email a bunch of times and finally said for $20,000, it's yours. And I just remember that moment, just like running around the house and you know, it was like, yes, you know, like this could be such a great start to create something much bigger than even just supplements. It was always the idea for articles and content and community as well as commerce. And that's really what kicked everything off. I, I want. I do want to add. Just uh, uh, based on one thing that you said, uh, it was bigger than bodybuilding. It was bigger than creatine. It was bigger than supplements. My first time getting to visit bodybuilding.com in Boise, 
Um, I walked in and and I was coming from a vendor, you know, so it's exciting to possibly get to sell your products on bodybuilding.com, which is, you know, uh, quite a prestigious thing. But uh, I don't think that enough people in this industry get to uh, appreciate the experience that visiting bodybuilding.com was. Um, <laughs> the walls were lined with uh, body space profile photos and transformations, like literally wall to wall in the first floor was all transformations and, and photos of just people who had changed their lives uh, using your services, uh, which, you know, just as as a guy who grew up on your forums in fitness, like I always thought it was like a, a very niche thing. It feels way bigger when you realize how many people that actually is. Uh, so to absolutely kudos was, on something bigger. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny because people ask me about that a lot. Like, you know, we really truly were mission based company. You know, we were helping people reach their you know health, fitness, and appearance uh, goals through information, motivation, and and supplementation. And every business has a mission base, right? It's like you don't find a company that's not, right? But then when you get down to what they're actually doing with their actions, it's showing that they're about money and they're trying to make as much money as they can, even if it goes against their mission. We were truly mission based because everything was really built around the idea. Like when I was that 14 year old kid, insecure in the gym, you know, really wanted to go ask that like big guy in the corner, like, what do you do? Like, you know, really wanted to know like what products to take. And back then, you really could only ask either somebody you knew if you knew somebody or you'd go to the store and, of course, they're getting a commission. And so everything we built was based on what would I want, what would our community want, what would our, our team want, it actually want to make it so we can actually get in shape, stay in shape. And the great thing about our mission is as we help people to do that, then they continued buying products from us. So it's kind of this like this this nice little uh you know cycle where it's like you know they're going to actually get in shape they're actually going to stay on the program that means they're going to come back and buy protein and creatine again the next month yeah what i what i love about everything that you've done and the reason i'm excited to have you here today is because you're a visionary like you saw the you saw the internet earlier than most people uh and it was a it was a definitely a wild time in the late 90s and you found a way to actually make money and not just have like some dot-com bust which we saw a lot of as well um but so you're, you're a pioneer and and so you saw the internet early you saw the growth of this whole supplement industry and fitness in general early you built a community before social media pretty much maybe myspace was there a little bit but like we, we got to get into like the body space and the forums because that's kind of part of the, the price pod genesis story as well and then um and so and that that kind of turned into social media but and now i see you doing uh working with vr and we see ai and we're like we're on the cusp of another of another cycle it seems like so i'm really excited to get into this uh where like i want to know like what did you see in the internet what did you see for body space with community that was lacking out there because it's gonna die it's gonna dovetail into like what are you seeing now with black box vr and so uh, listening to a visionary speak is, is exciting so I, i'd love to see like how you how you're seeing this future and uh your crystal ball seems to be pretty pretty accurate mm -hmm. uh, well, thank you by the way it's uh, very nice of you to say that it's always kind of interesting when people do say that because it's like i don't think there's anything that special that i'm doing except for i'm really passionate about it like if i'm you know i'm not doing almost anything else my entire 20s like i didn't do anything else i was just reading and, and studying and, and look, looking at this stuff and and building products and there's always like this next thing, like even in the very beginning, like you said, with, with, uh, you know, cyberspace, it was, people didn't really think it was going to be a thing. And I remember like, I even wrote like a, a letter to like our congressman or something saying like, you should support the internet because it, it's, it's a good thing. Cause people were saying it was, you know, just this fad. And 
it really just made me realize like the just the ability to talk to other people was was the number one thing like have that information like i used to go to the the store like we all did and, and buy the magazines and one of my favorites was natural bodybuilding magazine you know because i can hopefully find like some teenage bodybuilder in there that i can you know, see what he's doing and it would come out once a month and you know there's only a limited amount of information the fact that i could have all this information and talk to people now of course it looks so obvious in retrospect but people just didn't didn't really quite get it and I was on a bunch of these like mailing lists where you would, like write in a thing to like a, a list serve and then it, you, every day you like a little digest of stuff and I like, could talk to people, ask people questions. So the community part was was right from the very beginning. Um, I think our site like basically launched with with the message board and you know getting that started and getting people on there and then you know I had no idea like where that was all going to go and the crazy crazy stuff that that happened there. Uh, but it was just such such an amazing powerful thing. And so I guess going back to the the nice comment about being a visionary was really, okay, I wanted to create, and I always say, I, I don't always say I, what I meant to say is uh, we, you know, but I say I, cause we're talking about, it. but it was a great team uh, that uh, a whole bunch of people came together to do this, of course. But what we really wanted to do was help people reach their goals. And we needed to get them the information. We need to make it as easy as possible. We need to get the products in as fast as possible, the best price worldwide. You know, we wanted people to talk to each other and communicate and, and track what they're doing. And so every time something new would come out, like all of a sudden now there's a way to do uh, social media with like a web 2.0, like, oh, how can we use this? There's just the ability to do video was like a big thing. Like, I can't believe we can do a video. And now how can we use that? And then obviously there's so many things you can do with video in fitness industry. So it was always more uh, less, and it still is less, what's this just new cool technology just to be on the forefront. It's always been, there's this new technology. How can it help with this goal? versus just like shoving it into, you know, some other type of thing, or just, just trying to figure out just how to make money with it or something like that. To me with your forums, you created like exactly what we already experienced in the gym. Like you were saying, you, you'd have to go talk to the, the, the natural bodybuilder. You have to go to the store, whatever. Like it was a place where people spent a lot of their time, which was very interesting to me now that <clears throat> we spent all of our time on these apps, but people were going on and logging onto a website, <laughs> like spending their time on that, that, that page. And you were able to ask these people anything. I mean, you had you had information from all sorts of different walks of life, uh, but it became uh, in so many different ways a genesis of the actual industry. Uh, reps were hired on there, brands were created on there, entire personalities existed on the forums. I mean, Mike McCandles, I don't know where else he existed. Like, just the forums was like basically where he built his name. Like, there was so much on those forums uh, that it, it like an entire generation of the, just the fitness industry. I mean, honestly, the podcast could just be a whole episode about the, what went on in those forums. There was so much there, uh, but there was there was more to it. I mean, you guys curated selections of of products for uh, years. I mean, so many trends were following your store, all the way up to like. Honestly, I think that the content that you created set the tone for so much of our industry and the first time i got to watch you guys make that content i mean it was it was obvious when i got there i mean you had like three cinematic cameras it, it, it was like a netflix production just to come up with with a workout regimen for people uh, i i could all i could name like five uh, half a dozen uh, jay cutler like, like so many different trainers that set the tone for so many people it's it's so interesting looking back how much just walking into a gym and reminiscing over the last 10 years things that we learned about supplements fitness whatever all came from bodybuilding.com could you tell us at what point did you go from like just selling a creatine to how did it become this huge huge uh monster well, so April uh, 19th, uh, 1998, that's when we first went live with the Bottom.com website. 
And right from the beginning, like if you go back on archive.org, like it's very embarrassing, a lot of clip art and <laughs> ugly stuff. Um, but it, right from the beginning, it was, you know, the cyber store and then, you know, the, the information kind of areas, like the articles and the content. And that was, it really was like, we were saying, like, how do we give people something that's going to make, you know, help them actually and, and get them there? I think a big thing that we did is, you know, people used to actually get mad at me, like other business people, they'd be like, why are you wasting time, you know, creating content? Like you need to just sell products. It was like, just sell, you know, make product pages and that's it. And what the people didn't understand is like, people don't usually wake up and say, I want to buy some type of supplement. You know, I just, I just want to, for some reason, I want a pill or a powder. It's like, nobody buys pills and powders from, you know, from, from supplement stores. They're buying the dream and, and what they're trying to accomplish in their life. You know, they're trying to, you know, whatever it is, they just got made fun of, or, you know, swimsuit season's coming up and they're insecure about that, or they want to meet that girl or play that sport, or, or they saw their parents go through some kind of health issue and they're worried about them, you know, having the same kind of thing. So we, people start at farther out in the circle, I guess the purchase funnel kind of, it's like they first are searching online for, you know, bigger arms or something. And so I always knew like, we want to catch them at that point because everyone else is trying to catch them at the creatine point, right? So if we catch them there, then we can say, hey, we have, here's this workout. Um, here's a whole workout program. Here are a bunch of people that have done it. Here are transformation stories that give you that, that feeling, that, that belief, like, you know, it's easy to look at like celebrities and say, oh, of course, they're celebrities. They have trainers and millions of dollars. It's easy for them. But when you find somebody that's just like you and is where you you know, are now and now they're where you want to go, it creates that feeling that like that confidence that I can do it, that belief. And so we would do so many things like that. And then there'd be a part using most of this content because we were true believers in supplements, of course. They're like, hey, also, you're going to get better results if you use these type of products. And by the way, we have it over here on the other side of our site where you can get it shipped to your door super fast and at a great price. And there's reviews and, and you can go to the forums and talk to people about them, which everyone got mad about that. <laughs> Vendors, of course, could not believe we would allow negative comments about products. It just didn't make any sense where it was like, look, that makes the positive ones more believable. And now with ratings, of course, we all see it everywhere. But so, so much of it, that's kind of the long answer, <laughs> but so much of it was built basically just doing that from the beginning. And just getting better at it and just and just continuing to just keep going down there. Whatever new technology comes out, um, bringing in more team members. First time somebody emailed me, I was like, hey, uh, I want to create an article for your website. I was like, oh, like we don't have to write all of our stuff. We could have other writers. And that kind of opened that all up, you know. And then, you know, of course, vendors and, and all the things that on the forum, it's just, it just everybody kind of came together to create that. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, like, so you <laughs> basically had like a, a three-pronged, probably more, but... A, a, a technology company because there was no Shopify, like everything's Shopify now. So anyone can spin up a Shopify site. You had your own technology company that's embedding reviews, body space, uh, forums, maybe forums are separate, but still kind of connected in there and e-commerce, but you also had content. Like how did you prioritize um, when you're in your, at some point you're like leveling up, you're in the tornado, you have to hire a lot of people. Like I imagine there's a few like serious levels up where you're, you're stressed out and everything. Like what were the priorities? Was content always the priority was shipping product? Like how did you manage this as a young entrepreneur? Uh, that's a great question. And, and it changed quite often because what I would say is like managing a, a small little group in a garage, like we first were just me and a couple of friends, like, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're bumping chairs under each other. We're talking about things. We're coming up with ideas. There's that's one type of management. Then it's, you know, you get to like 20 people and you have to, you know, you're not in the same office. So you have to do a few other things and then you hit, you know, then you get really good at that. Then you hit 50 people and that starts to break down, you know, and it's like, you're always constantly 
having to change. And then eventually you've got people in other states, you know, you've got people you've never met and you've got to be able to manage and not just manage, but, you know, inspire and, and make sure everyone's on the same page, rowing in the same direction. So that, I think that was a, that was a really big part of, of the, what made it difficult, but we've definitely had our own groups. So there was the content group, the digital publishing group, then there, you know, this was obviously a few years after we started, but then we had the store and e-commerce side and then the, the forums. And, you know, when I left in 2015, we had 800 employees and it was like 150 just software engineers. And so I appreciate you think saying it's a technology company because a lot of times people used to think, oh, it's this bodybuilder's site. It must, must be a bunch of dudes in a garage lifting weights and shipping products. It's like, no, we've got great technology too. <laughs> you know? No, I absolutely respect that because we kind of, I started a technology company that's morphed into a media business here and it's fun. But um, I, I guess I'm, I, I'm wondering... You don't seem you don't seem like you're like you know doing cycles of trend and everything getting crazy like some of some of the demographic and I, I kind of resonate with that as well but and we we both have like a, this technology um, passion but at the same time um, I, I guess like eventually you you had to like kind of you decided to sell ultimately. And so I guess what was the decision leading up to that? Like, did you kind of, and I'm a little bit younger than you, but we're about mm-hmm. the same generation and everything. So did you eventually kind of just um, like age out of the demographic mm-hmm. or how did it really, how did that work out? Uh, so uh, I guess first on your point about technology, it is true that um, there's not that many people that are, I mean, it's kind of the cliche is kind of true. And I'm seeing it even more with black box VR because there are, sports and fitness people and they don't really understand technology and then there's technology people and i'll literally be like at a conference with them and they don't know the difference between a rep and a set you know where i'm like like simple stuff and they just, just don't get it you know they're very confused and um so there's not very many people like us that are in both and that can actually be a really big benefit is because you know if you have knowledge on both sides you can you can build something that that's more difficult and more of a competitive mode around it um but um over years i was trying to think what i was going to say on that like uh think about it it was a really good point <laughs> you know? but it's uh well i was talking about aging out of the demographic yeah, a little bit out, yeah. and, oh and, that's yeah, actually a good point i wasn't sure yeah like eventually <laughs> yeah you you let you grew this thing into a, a beast <laughs> and then it's it, i guess was it was hard to keep the passion right. or like what happened there was some of that and i think to your earlier comment too what i was going to say is um you know like yeah we're not you know, I've never been like a, a steroid person on this side of things or anything, you know, obviously, you know, um, liberal about all that stuff, of course. But mm-hmm. um, but it, what's interesting is people always kind of assume that. And what was interesting is because I, you know, I didn't have this like great genetics, like my dad has the smallest calves ever. I still have them. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> you know, so there's it, it was always that to a point. And I feel like I was able to better relate with the much bigger crowd. Right. So there's a certain crowd of there's a small niche of people, which is the hardcore bodybuilders. And people used to also ask me, and I'm like, how could bodybuilder.com become a big company? Because what percent of people are competitive bodybuilders? And it was like, okay, yes, that's tiny. But the percent of people that aspire to be like some of those people, right? Maybe not pro bodybuilders, but, you know, want to obviously be in great shape and look a certain way. That is a huge demographic. It might be the biggest one. Like, I don't meet a person. I'm like, how, how are you doing with your fitness? And they're like, 100%. Do you want to change anything? Nope, I'm good. <laughs> like, everybody is off their plan. Everybody wants to get better. So I feel like I was better able to relate to those type of people because they needed more of what we were creating and had more of those type of questions. I also yeah. feel like, yeah. sorry, mm-hmm. I was just going to say that the late nineties, uh, you guys were still coming off of that era where, um, Sylvester Stallone or Oswald Stegger, like the people like that were, uh, that was, 
that was up there, but like like the Jay Cutlers and stuff, we are so far from that now, but we know that is so crazy. Regular fitness people aspire to be Sylvester Stallone. Like seeing him in a movie somewhere, like people still wanted to like like bodybuilding wasn't a four letter word at that point. Mm-hmm. These days, if you showed like a pro bodybuilder, people would be like, um, I don't really want to look like that. But like people wanted to be Rocky. People like that was that was mm-hmm. I don't know if it was attainable, but it was a thing that they looked up to at that point. So uh, to me, I think like I, I came into bodybuilding.com like later in the years. That word had less of a stigma of it earlier i felt and and that uh, especially just search traffic and everything i i understand that like not everyone these days wants to be a bodybuilder but at those points like muscle beach was huge like people watch those action movies and still wanted to be like that i i to me it seemed like less of a stigma yeah for sure i mean it was there was definitely some because it was the idea like with you know like we'd even say with our name bodybuilder.com it was there's a lot of people assumed it was you know, posing oil and, and uh, bikini shorts, you know, and like, and that was all of us for kind of thing. And so we really had to, at first, the website was really focused on that because, you know, that was what I loved. You know, it's like, I wanted Lee Priest. That was our first interview we ever did, you know, where I emailed him and he wrote back and I was like, holy crap, I didn't know what to do. So I'm like, uh, hi, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I've been writing questions. And uh, so I loved all that stuff, but we, we slowly started like to soften. Like we kept a lot of that, obviously, because that's a big part of it. And we and loved all that, but we had to make sure that people realized it was for everybody. And, and there definitely was going through a lot of those, uh, you know, the steroid years, the scandals, the kind of Balco stuff, like there was a lot of negativity, but the weird part was a lot of people also, they, you know, they wanted that stuff, <laughs> you know, they're like, how do I get the really good stuff? And so they would try to find, you know, different ways to do that. And so it's interesting thinking now how, how that's changed, but it, it had a stigma, but I, I agree. It wasn't what kind of what it is today. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I guess did you develop some core values for for bodybuilding.com where you you basically kind of set the groundwork of like here's what we're gonna do, here's what we are. All, I, I guess thinking about the word, ultimately we are all trying to build our bodies. It's not doesn't necessarily need to be on stage, but did you have some core values in place that kind of helped you guide through some of that stuff? We did, yeah. So. You know, we made sure that we were open to everything, right? So whatever your goal was, if you want to be a pro bodybuilder, if that's what you want to look up to, we're going to give you that. If that's less of what you're looking for, here's some Jamie Eason content. You know, we, you know, we have we had pretty much something for everybody was was the idea. Always the core value was that we were always going to be about serious fitness. You know, we weren't going to go into like wellness. I mean, obviously there's like some stuff there, right? But people always wanted to kind of like, you know, dilute what we were doing, you know, like the advice we would give is like, Oh, try to go more wellness, try to go more like holistic, natural health and everything, you know? And like I said, there's a spot for that. But we said, no, like we want to be about biceps and bikinis and getting ripped and, and getting big, you know, and, and, and aspiring to that elite kind of be an elite athlete of some type. And so that was one of the core values is like, look, we're not going to change. We're not going to go more like, so, you know, sport focus, you know, cause some people try to push towards like, you know, baseball players and, and kayakers, you know, which we did also some of that stuff, but it was like the core focus was, look, there are so many people that don't think of themselves as bodybuilders, but like you said, they're building their body. They, you know, it's like the same thing I deal with today with black box VR. We talk about, you know, everybody's a gamer, but cause everybody plays games, right? It's like the largest uh, media industry but nobody calls himself a gamer. You know, it's interesting. Like I, I work out every single day. I'm not a bodybuilder. Okay. But like, Oh, I'm, I'm always playing Fortnite and call of duty and all these games on my phone, but I'm not a gamer. Cause that's like, you know, a neck beard living with his mom in the, in the basement. <laughs> you know, So it's very interesting to, to think about how those two things are very similar. Could I, 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 I want to get into black box VR, but you mentioned a couple things uh, in terms of like 
uh, you guys leading in a lot of ways with bodybuilding.com. Uh, was there a point where you realized that you guys were like leaders in the industry that could dictate certain things? Because over the years, there were changes in formulations. There was changes in how, you know, influencer marketing worked for you guys. Was there a point where you guys realized that a lot of people were looking up to you and watching you for trends? Uh, yeah, I mean, what was interesting is that we never, you always hear about like internet businesses, like the ideas, like you, you launch a website and then that goes, you know, up to here and then you get bought by Facebook the next day. And mostly that's not the case, right? But it was really a, a, a steady fast. Like we would double or triple every year, like in those early years in revenue, but it was always kind of the steady, like we'd get the January kind of jump, of course, maintain that kind of down a little summer, a little bit of jump and fall. But it was, it was never like a, we were a million dollar business and then we were like a hundred million dollars the next day. So we were able to kind of just steadily grow, right? We were just, we we're grinding, we're doing the stuff we need to do, we're adding more content, getting smarter, more products, you know, more warehouses and shipping locations and obviously using new technology. So I don't know if there was ever like a, like this moment, but there definitely were times where you realize how important it was when vendors, you know, they would be the ones coming to us and they cared a lot about being a part of what we were doing. You know, they, they wanted to make sure that they had the, the best promotions and the best content and the best everything. And that's when you kind of realize like there was something pretty big here or the type of people that wanted to write content for us. You know, like first it was kind of no namers, you know, that, that had some knowledge and then it just, it slowly grew. So I'd say there wasn't, there definitely wasn't a moment, but you could kind of get that feeling over those middle couple of years. Yeah, because I mean, I think everyone in this fitness industry now has taken pieces of what bodybuilding.com did. I mean, the trainers, people do that on their own on YouTube. Right? I mean, like, like that, like it's almost like a template at this point, with how you guys created that. Um, over the years, I saw trends in uh, just nutrition that occurred solely on bodybuilding.com. Uh, and then you had uh, probably one of the most successful private labels in this entire industry. I mean, the group of them. As a whole, I mean, we we talked about quite a few of them many times for for better or for worse. I mean, they were what everyone was talking about for quite some time. And some of them have even gone on to then be even f further successful in the industry. Cage Muscle became Cage and that is now on its own a huge brand. Uh, you guys have set the tone in so many different ways. So I'm, I'm super curious how you're doing that in Black Box as well. Yeah, um, that's an interesting transition. <laughs> so let's see, supplements. And, yeah. Um, well, no, but, yeah, I wanted to, I guess I, uh, to more <laughs> evenly transition it, I would like to talk about the sale a little bit. Um, <laughs> and you're a pilot. We need to get into that. Maybe a touch, but, uh, but that's also, right. but, <laughs> but yeah, like you're seeing something and I want to, I want to get that out there and then see what the challenges are because uh, it seems like to me, bodybuilding.com was, was up only. And I'm wondering if, if you think VR is going to be this same, this same type of thing. And, um, if our listeners should listen, but it, you know, talk about like how the business model works as well. Is it business to business or business to consumer, all that kind of stuff. But, um, so to, at least for now, to like close out bodybuilding.com, can we, can we talk about like the transition out? And then I, I'm guessing you got bored within two days <laughs> and it was back, right. back into entrepreneurship. So exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, we started the company in, you know, 1998, 1999, that time period. And then, you know, of course, you know, it's, uh, internet business is 24 seven, like, you know, there's really no days off, you know, for the first 10 years, I didn't literally take a day off and, you know, cause it was like so many things and you're right, like building technology. It's such a good point that there was no Shopify in order to accept credit cards. The first time I literally had to have somebody fly from New York from some to, to come inspect my place to give me a merchant account and I had to do all these crazy weird things, just build like charge the cards and, you know, all this stuff. So, I mean, you had to build everything from scratch, even like a search engine. You want to search our website? You know, I had to figure out, like, I'd have a book just next to my 
desk and like, Hey, we've got to figure this out. We've got to make a search engine, you know, and all like the patterns, you know, there weren't even the patterns, like just the idea of a shopping cart, like that wasn't a thing. And then eventually started seeing, Oh, people are understanding, like add to your cart and then check out like they, those patterns you start to learn also. And you want to use. So it was, it was always just, uh, you know, 24 seven, you know, really busy and just, which I loved. But then it, I eventually, you know, as you guys have built out the team, I was able to take a little bit more time off, you know, like normal vacations, you know, but then it did get a little bit of a burnout towards the end. Um, you know, so this is going on like 17 years straight and there was never a moment, you know, it's funny when I look back and like, you know, you're always supposed to appreciate the journey. And I really did try to, but I was always thinking about the future, like the next thing, you know, like once we get to here, you know, or now, you know, there's a competitor coming or there's potentially this is going to mess things up. And like, we got to, we got to get to that next level. And how are we going to, how are we going to do that? So it really never stopped. And then towards those last couple of years, like I really wanted to work more on like innovation projects. And, you know, as CEO of a company with 800 people, I only got to do that, you know, an hour a day and come in after the weekend, you know, like we all do with like ideas, you know, and like, uh, I was in the shower this morning. I'm like, got all this great stuff. I'd come in and then HR comes into my office and says, Oh, you know, somebody's having a problem at customer service and we have to deal with this crisis and you know, all these things, which is, that's management. And I did enjoy a lot of that stuff, not the crisis part, you know, like, uh, you know, somebody's harassing somebody and there's this problem over here and we got to go fix it. But it was like, just, I wanted to get back into more technology. And so that's basically what kind of pushed me to uh, sell off the rest of the shares that I own to Liberty Media um, and then, um, you know, take, uh, let, take a little bit of a break. So did you ever consider um, becoming chief technology officer, chief you know, CIO, something else rather than CEO, maybe giving some equity to another CEO or something like that? Or were you just tired? <laughs> um, I think a little bit of both. I think I, I think I was a little bit bored also of just e-commerce. You know, it was just kind of there wasn't as much new things to do there. We started looking at virtual reality like we, we had an Oculus, you know, uh, one of the early kits back then because we're like, hey, what's this next thing? And uh, I think I just got a little bit bored of it. And and I always just to say, like, as CEO, like, if I'm ever just, like, happy with how things are, like, everything's all good, we don't need to stress, then that's, like, a bad sign, right? Because as CEO, you're supposed to be constantly irritated, and it's just, which is a hard part, you know, because you don't want to show you're constantly irritated because nobody likes somebody that's just upset and, and, and picking, you know, nitpicking on all the, the bad parts. But as my job is, like, you know, hey, this is great, awesome, we did this, but we got to get this next thing. And, um, and, and so I'd always just be frustrated, you know, like, gosh, dang it, we need to get to this next. And so I think it was a little mix of, of those things, but, uh, mostly it was just kind of boredom with, with what we we're doing. And, and that's going to be bad for the company if I'm in that state. And, and even if I was CTO or CIO, it'd be the same thing. Gotcha. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So you, so eventually you decided to sell to Liberty Media. We're going to have to update our old blog posts and stuff with this podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> but we, so you, you decide to sell and then I assume you said, all right, I'm going to get some rest and then, <laughs> you know, take us through the next, however many months it took. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird time. I mean, it's, it was, it was, uh, I think it was like 36 years old. I think when I sold, and, you know, it's it, not a lot of people have kind of been in that situation where like, you know, you, you don't have to work ever again the rest of your life. And, you know, it's like, like, what do you do? There's not a lot of like uh, guidance out there. Of course, it's something, you know, that that's a very enviable position, but there's a lot of negatives too. Like you'd hear about like maybe lottery winners or people that uh, retired and then, you know, they, they go in the wrong direction. So first of all, it was the weirdest moment of my life. I remember getting home that day and literally just like, you know, got home. It was crazy. I just announced, I went and talked to everybody, did a big speech and everything, got home set my stuff down. It was like all the things I've been worried about and thinking about for 17 years, like, because I had just sold everything, you know, like I didn't, I didn't keep any equity because I want to make sure it was a good clean break that I wasn't that former CEO. That's always 
checking on things, you know, and, and kind of messing things up. But it's a very strange moment to sit there and like not have to worry about that stuff. And it was just this relief just kind of came over me. I was just like, holy cow, <laughs> like it felt so good. And to your next point, it, it lasted a few months, which was like, this is great. Um, but then I, you know, I, I basically got to where I was like the most like uh, unhappy and depressed in my whole life because I didn't have some big thing to focus on, something I was, I was building and creating. And, and truthfully, like, you know, when you're don't have much to do, you know, you have fun things you're doing on the weekends, you're doing trips and stuff. But then it's like during the middle of the week, it's like my dad, he'd retired a little bit before me. And he was like, you know, weekends are great. Monday's good because you're, you know, you're catching back up after the weekend. And then it's like, then Tuesday's here. What do you do Tuesday? And usually it's not going to be something good. It's like, oh, let's go get a drink, <laughs> you know, and you're falling into that. So I knew I had to get back into technology, back into building something. And so that's kind of what got me to six months is how long I lasted <laughs> between between things. Gotcha. Yeah, I, th I think that that's a male thing that we we try to emphasize when we're getting into like stuff like this on the podcast. Is it... um. Did you lack having, did you miss having like a tribe? I mean, you built a huge team and everything. So like that was a huge part of it. Was it the team aspect or you mentioned building? Was it like the fact that you're a builder or was it like being man on a mission? Like what are, it seems like you're more of a builder type to me, but can you kind of explain like yeah. your psych? Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely builder. You know, it was, um, I, I, part of me, it felt like, man, I just went through this experience, obviously that for my entire adult life, you know, cause I really started in high school doing some of this internet stuff when I was like 16. And so, I mean, you know, I didn't know anything else. And so I, I'd spent so much time and read all these books and learned all these different things, all these, you know, experiences you go through and, you know, difficult experiences and going through due diligence when you're selling something or, you know, just all the different things. And so there was a part of me, I was like, man, I, I have something still to give and what am I going to do? Just kind of just consume and just kind of sit around and just be an idiot. And then my, you know, my kids at that time were like, you know, 10 or something years old. So they never really saw dad because, you know, at work, so I'm like, are they going to remember me as just sitting at home all the time? <laughs> you know? And so there's a whole bunch of that, but you know, it's, it's a bad feeling to be sitting at home and on social media and you see people doing things and I want to be doing things, you know, like that. So I think that was a big part of it. And I think it is something that people lack, you know, they, uh, some type of meaning. Like, I think we all talk about it where, you know, we're not at war, obviously, we're not, you know, uh, struggling to eat. So we find things to get upset about and be activists about even just because we, we kind of need something that, that, that we care about, because things are too easy. And I think a lot, I think most people, I think just going to the point is, don't have that type of mission, and that purpose, and without a purpose, you're not going to be happy, you know, as a man, at least, right? You know, and, um, that's, that's something I strongly believe. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I obviously have kids and the kids are the purpose, but I don't know. For some of us dads, we can't be rearing the the children twenty four seven at that point. Um yeah. some some may disagree or whatever, but yeah, once you're there, it's it, it, I think yeah. we have to seek more and uh, having that purpose and, and be an purpose. example. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Big a big part of it was not just building something just like just to build it. It was I wanted to be an example for my kids. I wanted mm -hmm. to, I wanted to be that dad that that they could be proud of and they thought was doing cool things and they can learn from and just, you know, even, you know, just normal parenting stuff is great, but it's like, I, I wanted something bigger for them to show them what's possible. Yeah. One thing I, yeah, like you want, you want your kids to see dad is doing this, not dad did that, you know? So, <laughs> right. cause they didn't really see body.com or the, the internet, 1999, all that stuff. <laughs> so did someone come along and say, Hey, Ryan, I got this thing here. Or did you, how, how, what happened with black box 
So like I said, at Bottom.com, we had started looking at it, um, uh, VR, because we started to hear about this new technology. It looks like it's actually going to be here. It's actually going to work. And so we started playing around with it. And that was kind of how we did with everything. It's like, oh, there's this new type of social media, like with body space, there's mobile apps, like we talked about, like video content, and all these different things we can do. And so that was kind of this next thing. Like, this is going to be a big deal. It seems like it's this magical technology. And so what happened is, about that time when I was trying to say, okay, what's the next thing? That's when you started to hear about like Facebook buying Oculus for like $2 billion. So it was like, okay, it felt exactly like the beginning of the internet, like in so many ways. Like there's, you know, this is new technology. People don't really understand it and they've never tried it. They think it's a fad or it's not going to really change the world. But when you look at it just even for a short amount of time and you realize that VR is not just a screen on your face. You know, people think it's just, oh, it's just, what's the difference? Like it immerses you into an entire different world. And not only is that cool and fun, studies are showing that it actually changes the way you perceive what's happening to you. Like our brains did not evolve to where I'm moving around in this world. I'm hearing things where they're coming from and I'm seeing things, you know, around me in 3D. So it's not real. Like your brain thinks it's real. And that does a lot of interesting things where it actually, that full immersion into VR is really what makes it powerful. And so looking into that more and more, maybe you realize like, okay, this is definitely a, a next big thing. It's the dream everyone wants. It's like, it's the final medium other than like the brain computer interfaces, you know, where we're actually hooked in. It's the final medium. It's, it's everything, right? You are the movie star. You are the athlete. You are uh, in the game. You know, you're no longer on the screen. And how can we go and use that? And that's where it really came down to. Really what black box is, is using video game psychology to help people stick to their fitness program, because that really was by far the biggest thing we learned at bodybuilder.com was our biggest competitor. We always said was the couch. We lost most of our customers to the couch and not to GNC, not to Amazon, other places. It's an interesting thing about our, just our, our industry in general. It's like people just stop. And I always used to think like, what percent of the protein powder that we shipped out was consumed versus started and then in a pantry, you know? And so how do we use the video game psychology that gets you addicted to wanting to play these games? And how do you make it so that you actually want to use that for exercise? Because exercise is a habit you want, you know, which is not fun for 99% of people. It's painful. You don't get immediate rewards, sacrificing time. It's repetitive. It's boring. Video games, the opposite, but you're not getting great shape. So the whole idea of Black Box was let's put those two things together so people will want to stick to their workout program. This totally makes sense for anyone who's been into site design or kind of hardcore marketing. Like gamification is a very often concept. You know, you log your food for seven days straight and MyFitnessPal gives you a badge because you did something mm -hmm. long enough, right? So taking fitness and making it a game so that people can be immersed in that. I mean, when I did the Black Box at uh, the Arnold, like it was, it was fun, you know, I, I didn't realize how much work I was doing until I came out and I had a pump and I had a sweat. You know, I, I was I was enjoying the the scenery. Everything around was was interesting and, and it made me want to do it again, even though I I don't know how much the unit costs. I don't know how how I can get one, but if there was one in Jersey, I'd be spending the time to go do one for sure. So So I guess can you walk us through how this technology works for those who have never heard of this or don't um yeah, this is their first time learning about it. So you have basically this platform that's virtual reality based that is fitness based can you like kind of just give us the, the slow pitch like walk us mm -hmm. through where you do it how it how it's done um the mechanics of everything sure. and all that 
Yeah, so the basic idea is that it's kind of like a, it's a gym location right now. So it is a place you go to. So the concept is similar to like an F45 style uh, gym or Orange Theory where it's a smaller boutique gym. You have a membership. It gives you a, limit, a, li- a certain number of times per week that you can use the product. And you sign up through the app. You schedule through the app. There's a whole bunch of stuff you do through the, the mobile app. Then you go in at the time that you schedule. There's 14 different booths, like in our San Francisco location, and they're just private booths, kind of like almost like tanning booths in a way. You go in there, and that's where the VR equipment is and our exercise machine. The exercise machine we created from scratch, um, and it's basically electronic resistance, so kind of like a tonal, but this is like this big monster machine that you know it costs us like twenty five thousand dollars to make each one of them. You know, so it's definitely not like the home version yet. Although you know, once we get to scale, we'll be able to get there. And then it, it's the electronic resistance go up to 250 pounds. So it's like serious lifting. The, the handles, it's like cable handles basically where it'll move up and down automatically. There's like a bench pad thing that comes out that you can put your back against in order to do like chest press and, and standing row and things like that. But you can do deadlifts, squats, overhead press, lap pull down, um, bicep curls, tricep push downs, all that kind of stuff. And what, we, what we've done is you put on the headset and you're inside an esports style game. And the easiest way to think about it is it's like a sport, but obviously doing things you couldn't do in real life. And our game right now is where you know, there's, you're in this big arena and you've got this crystal in front of you. And there's this big field in front of you. It's like a soccer field kind of thing. On the other side is the computer controlled character. They've got a crystal. You have to destroy their crystal before they destroy yours. So it's kind of a, a castle defense kind of thing. Very similar to Clash Royale uh, on, on the phone if you ever played that, which is a, a billion dollar free game, <laughs> by the way. And you basically go in there and you do different exercises. So however strong you are is how strong you are in the game. We want to make sure that there was that aspect of it. So when I'm doing chest press, based on my one rep max, it's going to give me something I'm going to fail around 12 to 15 reps. And that's going to do fire attacks out to the field. And then when I'm doing squats, they're doing like ice attacks. And they're putting all these different champions where we call them out there where they're trying to attack you. You're putting yours out there. You're doing these different like cardio patterns and things like that. But the basic idea is like you're using your actual full body doing actual heavy lifting, you know, up to 250 pounds per rep um, deadlifts in order to attack and defend. And 30 minutes goes by and, you know, you've done 60,000, 80,000 pounds of volume, you know, full body workout. And it, it, it's going to be it's probably will be the hardest workout you've ever done. Yeah, I did the lat pull down workout, I think. And it was insane. I did not. I'll be really honest, like as a power lifter, I didn't expect it to get as heavy as it did. It was very impressive mm-hmm. uh, and it and it was fun. It it was telling me how long like the tempo should be on each and it was it, it made it so that I felt like, um, you know, my, my dad's pretty active. He gets in the gym, kind of does, but I, I don't think he would know like tempo reps or anything like that, but he mm-hmm. would have had a very effective workout. I thought it would have been like really effective for pretty much anyone of any level strength or understanding of training. There was a really quick uh, you know, learning curve, I felt. So it, is this a franchise type thing? Like, like how can people get into this? Is it just through you guys? Uh, yep. The idea is, is that we're going to start franchising uh, later this year. So, you know, we basically kind of have been in beta R&D phase for all these years. And, you know, we have the location in San Francisco across from Twitter and we have a location here in Boise, but now we're ready to start scaling out there. Like the technology is ready, the product ready. And so that's exactly it is like starting the franchise, get it out there because, being a physical location with the good thing about that is obviously is that, you know, it's what you built it. It can actually scale really quickly that way. And you have a good competitive mode because it's not just something people can copy, you know, with like just software only. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting saying how, how much it pushes you because that's the fun thing about a sport, right? It's like you are, 
you're competing, you know? And so they're coming at you like in our game and like they put out this big like rock dude, we call him. It's like this big, huge character and he's attacking. And the only way to really get him back is to use squats or deadlifts because that's like the, the correct thing to use against him. And there'll be so many times where I'll go in like, hey, I'm going to take it kind of easy today because I'm tired for whatever reason. And I end up like just like breaking new records, which is the opposite of most gyms, right? Most of the time you go to the gym, you kind of go through the motions. Like you can have a great workout every once in a while, but most of the time it's it's hard to do that. And that's what's fun about the competitive nature of it, like the psychology of it. It's like it it pulls it out of you, you know, and you forget. The other cool thing about VR is like, um, and any of that, it's like getting into that flow state where you're actually using strategy, right? So it's not just a one-to-one, just do a whole bunch of stuff. It's you got to choose the right exercise at the right time. You got to do these other things. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you have to do strategically, like in a video game, where you're really using, you know, uh, those parts of your brain, your working memory, basically. And as your working memory is stressed, time goes by faster. And that's where those times where you're playing a game or doing something and you look up and you're like, wow, it's three in the morning. <laughs> you know, how did that happen? Which is the opposite of fitness, of course, you know, on a treadmill or something. But that's what's cool is like the time goes by faster. Pain, you feel less. Like studies now have shown, including studies that we've done in UCLA, if you do like a, a, your perceived exertion, you say, okay, how one to 10, how hard are you working out right now? You know, and then they measure that compared to your heart rate. Well, usually it's pretty close. Like, oh, I feel like I'm working on eight and I'm working on eight. But in VR and with the game aspect, people would say, I feel like I'm working out a five and they were working out like a nine, which was like sprinting uphill, <laughs> you know, and they felt like they were doing like a, a, a light jaw kind of thing. Put those two things together, work out harder, time goes by faster. You're going to get better results and enjoy it more because it's less miserable. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I wish I would have been able to try it at the Arnold. So um, are you kind of guiding the workouts then, or is your technology guiding the workouts or do they get to select and are they playing against a real person like live or is it like a uh, what NPC non-player character type of thing that you're going against? Um, I'm kind of trying to say like, uh, yeah, how much, how much input does the, the user actually get? You know, a big thing about games also is um, there's a great book that's called players making decisions is about game design. Game design is about decision making. And um, if you know, you can also give people, you know, a whole bunch of decisions, a whole bunch of choices. And if there's actually only one choice, you know, so it's like, here's a whole bunch of guns that in like Call of Duty that are bad, but here's the one good one, then you really haven't given them a choice. You, that's the one to use. And that's why balance is so correct. It's, it's such a big deal. So the whole idea is like, we do not want to just tell people like what to do. And just like, here's the workout. Here's, here's what order to do it in, because then you're just, you might as well just not even use VR. What the what game design is really smart about is they guide you in a way that makes you think it's your idea, right? So like Zelda is always a good example where like you go and you play the game and you have a certain few things you can do. And then you eventually get to a point where you can't beat this next boss until you've got this this thing and you have to learn how to use it, right? So you you may not have decided to do that. Like you may you may think you decided to do it, but like really the game designers kind of pushed you in that direction, you know, by the way they do it, right? Like another example would be like, say, Skyrim. Like, I only want to use swords. Then you get to one boss that can't be beat except for by magic. Okay. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll go and get my magic upgraded, you know? So in similar way, we do the same thing where we don't tell you what to do. We give you full body exercises. You can choose them. If you want to only do overhead press the entire workout, you can. It's just you're going to lose. So when that rock dude comes out, like, it's kind of a famous character in our game because he's a very high health um, character. It takes a lot of reps. So if you did overhead press and try to kill him, it's going to take like three different sets of overhead press. But if you do one really heavy deadlift set, that's going to be the thing that's going to do it. So you decide yourself based on what's coming at you, 
what things I'm going to do. And when we look at it at the end of the day, it's a pretty well-rounded full body workout. So the proprietariness of black box VR that's, that's driving your success and differentiating you from the rest is the hardware, correct? Uh, I said the game and the hardware. Yep. Okay. I, I, I totally understand. The game is very special, but have you guys considered uh, a lighter software so that you could distribute it maybe to anyone that owns an Oculus? Because it, they're starting to be owned a little bit more. I'm, tr I'm trying to think of like the hurdles of just franchising $25,000 units, obviously. Yeah, well, uh, the good thing is the next batch of uh, will be like 30% cheaper because once you get more manufacturing, <laughs> you know, manufacture more at a time and it'll be cheaper. Uh, but the franchise will cost for people around the same price as like a, between like an F45 and like an Orange Theory, you know, so it, it won't be actually that bad. And the good thing about it is you're using less uh, people because usually those are trainer based. And so you've got to have a bunch of trainers, you know, or stretch lab, you know, an individual personal or, or personal trainers, which is great with us. Like the game is that, right? We just need like an attendant that kind of is guiding. So it's, it's more expensive up front from the hardware, but cheaper long term. But we also have looked at a home version of the game, that's be cardio only for now. And so we are working with Meta. So we've actually um, started already on that with them in order to release a product out on the MetaQuest, hopefully within the next year. So you can at least do that cardio part, no matter where you're at. Uh, but then when the gym comes to your town, you'll be ready. That's such a cool point about not needing as many people at the quote unquote gym because you won't need personal trainers or, I mean, just scheduling with trainers can be difficult having people have people different classes and stuff. So this could be a, a location. Or like a trainer calls in sick and, you know, you got a group of 30 people waiting. And yeah, the, our machines, they break down sometimes, they're still kind of beta, but mostly they never call in sick. <laughs> you know, very reliable. You know. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I got to get back to the, to the workout. So let's say that you, you bring out a guy who, is way easier to kill with deadlifts, but like, I, it almost feels like you're, you're forcing me to do, I love deadlifts, by the way, it's my one thing I'm good at, but like, um, it almost feels like you're forcing me to do deadlifts. Like, what if I really just don't want to do deadlifts that day? Is that okay? Do some people just take the L just so they can do a workout that they like, or is, um, or are you kind of like, it feels like you're pigeonholing me into deadlifts at this moment. I, I'm kind of like, I don't know, being kind of like a, stubborn individual right, right. now how does that work out with some people do some people not like that do you get feedback or anything like that we do uh, you know what's interesting too is you know we're definitely not uh, attracting more of the the typical bodybuilding crowd mm -hmm. which you know according to studies it's like maybe 13 percent of people are able to like stick to their workout program so it's that that huge 87 percent. like if there's one other thing i think that we're doing that's innovative it's that we're opening up actual uh, serious lifting exercise for a much broader group of people that are that know about it. You know, everyone's been to a gym and, and used to have a membership and they kind of fell off, but they just haven't been able to find the thing that's going to stick for them. And so they don't really know a lot about exercise a lot of times. So there's kind of two parts where we look at ourselves as also their coach, because sometimes people will complain like, you know, they want it to either just be easier or they want it to, they just want to do chest day because they, you know, they saw online, it was like a chest day, you know, it's like, well, we're doing full body according to studies. Like if you're doing serious doses of full body three to four times per week, you know, that's going to get you where you need them. And we don't need to overkill like, you know, 10 times per week because we want something you're going to stick to long term, which is really the secret. And so it's interesting because we do get some feedback that people are like, I just don't want to do that. And you don't have to, and either you're going to lose or you're going to get close to losing, <laughs> you know, and the matchmaking basically works like the more you win by, the more you go up in difficulty. And if you lose, it goes down. So kind of, tries to keep you in there while well, always using progressive overload also in the back end it's always trying to get you to, to keep moving up so basically do your deadlifts unless you're injured do them <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so that brings us to the demographics then. Obviously, you said we don't have the standard bodybuilder obviously doing this. Um, are you actually marketing towards video gamers or to soccer moms? Or like, who are you currently, if, if I was going to make you do a Facebook ad right now, who are you targeting? It's, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm 45 and I feel like I'm like right at the top where like people that are a little bit older than me, like didn't grow up with games. I grew up like right when Super Mario Brothers was, hit me like at the right time, you know? So it really is kind of like the 45 and under, you know, so all millennials grew up with games. They may not consider themselves like a hardcore gamer. And obviously there's a, a, a relatively small percent of people like that, but they understand games. They play games. And according to a lot of the studies, what people also don't realize is like, it's like 67% of the U S population of any age is, is a gamer. And like, it was like the average millennial plays, you know, like, like 10 to 15 hours per week. And that's like on average. And it's pretty even split like male, female, like it's like 60, 40. Cause obviously there's different type of games, a lot of mobile games, which bring a lot of people in, but it's this huge group. Like, I mean, super, I mean, you see like super Mario brothers movie the other day, right. Came out and became the biggest movie, <laughs> you know, everything like video game culture is like taking over almost all these different things. And gaming is the biggest media industry by far bigger than, you know, TV, radio, movies all combined, like when it comes to, to revenue and how many people are doing it. So I'd say one, it's like, it's, it's definitely not a small niche, but it's not, um, and we're definitely not going after those like super hardcore gamers as much, right? It's, it's kind of that middle of the road, 45 to let's say 30 and older, cause they gotta be able to afford a membership. And these are people that just have never been able to stick to it, you know, and now uh, we have people that have done like a 300 streak or a 400 streak, which is like not skip to work out in, in 300 different times. And so, you know, that means no vacations either because <laughs> you can't go anywhere. <laughs> have you guys considered, cause a lot, I, I loved the strength aspect of it. I'm, I'm a guy who likes strength. <clears throat> Mike is uh, by trade more of a swimmer endurance. Have you guys looked at more cardio or reaction based time or any kind of like maybe other aspects of training that you could hone in on with VR? Cause I, I feel like there's a lot of opportunities there. For sure. And, and our game definitely will get you, um, you'll get a great workout cardio wise. Cause what we do is like in between exercises, we want you to have a little rest, but we kind of call it like an active rest where you're kind of doing some punching slicing type of movements in order to like, to play more of the game. Like that's how you build your characters. If you want to put your own rock dude out there, then you're going to have to do this kind of punching movement. And then you put them out, you know, strategically where you want on the field. So you're going to get a great cardio workout. Um, and there's reaction time kind of parts to that. What we're kind of really trying to do is once again, is if you had a recommendation for like an average person, right? Somebody that you know is not going to stick to it long-term. They may think they're going to, and they want to do the seven day a week, hardcore thing, but they're going to be gone in two weeks. Like, what would you do? You'd really give them an, a, a well-balanced routine that for sure includes resistance training, for sure includes a cardio component, and for sure is relatively quick, you know, 30-minute workouts, you know, serious workouts. We say three to four times per week, full body. What we're really trying to do is just give you that holistic plan that you're not going to become a pro bodybuilder probably you're probably going to need other things to do that you know you're probably not going to become an olympic athlete you know it's not sports specific in any way but for the general person you know this is going to be what you need and what you really need is just to stick to it <laughs> yeah. okay that. so earlier you mentioned uh your, your biggest competitor was the couch of bodybuilding.com mm -hmm. it feels like how you how are you going to compete with the couch or the computer chair or sitting on the phone and in, in bed or whatever um how do you how are you getting people out to the uh to the locations or is that currently not is that not going to be part of your job like is it the franchisee's job or i guess how, how do we compete with the couch here well what's fun is um 
video games and VRs, uh, people think of them also as like a, a loner type thing, but it's really one of the most social experiences, especially VR, where we do a lot of like our meetings uh, at Black Box in VR. And you really feel like you are in the room with those people and you can have a great social experience. And we hear about people, you know, um, you know, getting married because they met in Warcraft, <laughs> you know, and things like that. And so it's a very social experience. And so what we try to do is make it so like there's teams, basically. So if we were on a team and now we need to get more people on our team because that's going to help us to hit these certain goals, and get these rewards. It's kind of a little bit like those old, you know, guilds of, of Warcraft and you have to make sure you're, you know, your clan and you have to, you have these raids. We kind of have similar type of things. We try not to go like make it too nerdy, you know, but there's a little bit of that where it's like, look, Mike, Ben, we need to get our workouts in this week. In fact, right now it is raid week for us in, at the, the last seven days of every month. And we build up to it. We all do these things throughout the month in order to build up to it. And now we're ready. And if you don't get your workouts in, then we're not going to get all the shared rewards. That's going to help us to level up and upgrade and all this kind of stuff. So most of our members come from other members, you know, and it's like, that's one of the great things about gaming too, is that you can, you can, it can spread so much more quickly through that type of social experience. So that, that's really what it is, is friends telling their friends about it. And, and there's an incentive, not just an incentive, like I get $20 off my membership. It's an incentive, like I want to win our co-ed softball league. So I need more players, you know, kind of feeling it. I, I as a as an old World of Warcraft player like that you struck things to me I didn't remember that you were gonna strike. <laughs> yeah. uh, has, has there been any, has there been any option for like cooperative type workouts because that's exactly I mean that that's the kind of thing I love training with my friends I love going to the gym with my friends doing active stuff with my friends like being able to work out together would be so cool especially when you add in these like rewards of fighting something together has, has that been a concept? Uh, we haven't done it yet, but that's. Very soon, you know, so we kind of did start, like you said, with the NPCs you're going against, but we've done some tournaments that are kind of asynchronous kind of stuff. And there's a lot of asynchronous type of stuff that we're doing that kind of fakes it. But multiplayer is the next thing because co-op for sure. And especially if like you and I can go against two other people, we could talk trash and, you know, it's great. You're in VR, you can move around. You can, you know, you don't have to press an email button. You can just, you, know, you can just flip them off. You know? <laughs> you know? So that's, that's kind of the fun part. That's okay, awesome. so it, it seems like franchising is going to be mm -hmm. kind of the, the, the model eventually, or at least a part of the model. So let's, if you don't mind, and maybe you're not ready to share this, let's say we sell Price Pile. Uh, I'm bored in three to six months, right? <laughs> That's I, right. I, I, okay, I'm, I'm interested in doing the uh, the Oklahoma franchise here. Like, what is the pitch to the actual franchisees? So, as I mentioned, it's very similar to a lot of the other fitness concepts you see out there, right? So we always kind of uh, model after F45, Orange Theory. Um, there's a whole bunch of, of gyms that are owned by Exponential Fitness, which is a big franchiser, um, and they have owned a bunch of stuff. There's, there's a really good model here where you can actually, for, we think it's going to cost around $650,000 to open up a location. It's going to be like 3,000 square feet. Most of them will have 14 booths. And you'll be able to have an ROI on that within uh, like 18 months is the idea, right? And it's going to be something that you're going to be able to then open up new locations. So I'd say the pitch really is like if you are somebody that wants to own your own business, but you prefer to have a turnkey, you know, the whole idea is like it's a it's a business in a box. It's a, it's a system that we're going to be able to deliver that to you. And there's so many franchises out there for fitness that are all kind of the same. You know, there's a million different of these, uh, you know, group X kind of things. There's, a, you know, obviously cycling and, and different, you know, personal training type of studios and stretch labs and all this stuff. But and it's starting to become this pretty big red ocean where there's like 18 different yoga and Pilates places. You know, they're all kind of the same and they're all pretty expensive, you know. Um, and uh, so how do you differentiate? 
we feel like that there's this 87% of people out there that have not been able to stick to a fitness program. VR is on that cusp of going, of, of becoming this huge media, a medium for people. In fact, you know, we're saying that we're doing this in Memorial Day, June 5th. Uh, by the time this comes out, people will know Apple's releasing their VR headset. So now's the time when billions of dollars of research have gone over these last like five to seven years is all about to come out from these big companies where everyone is going to understand VR. Everyone's going to understand the power of putting a headset on and playing Beat Saber, which is a fun game in VR. It's like this, uh, you have these like lightsabers and you're dancing around and, you know, and people accidentally get a great workout cardio at home. And then they want to take it to that next level. Like if as a franchisee, you're going to be the only one in Oklahoma that has something like that. Okay. So, and this is my uh, ignorance yeah, of the franchise. I'm already adding you to our uh, contact list. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk. Well, so yeah, this is my ignorance on like the franchise model and everything. So um, pardon me, but if, so I, okay, I start the Tulsa, Oklahoma franchise. Who's doing the marketing? Who's doing the advertising and what happens? Like, who do I, con do I contact you if the machine breaks or am I like, on my own here. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm paying for that. How's it all? How's that kind of stuff work? Yeah, we'll have a, a large franchise support team. You know, so the basic idea is once you've decided that this is something you want to do, you would actually fly out to Boise or or wherever we would be, and actually, you know, we would meet you. You would meet us. We'd get to know like if this is a good fit because it's also you know as we would want to evaluate you to make sure that you're the type of person that's going to do this because failed franchises is bad for the future, of course, when people are, are wondering what happened. And so we want people that are business minded that aren't just going to do it kind of short term. And then we would give you everything. We would tell you, you know, I mean, we're going to give you all the equipment. We're going to give you all the software. We're going to support all the software from the back end. We're going to support all the machines. Um, if there was some type of, we'll give you the training on, on how to support the machines and the game and everything yourself. And you'll have all the, all that there, but also if there's something that we will be there for you. And from a marketing perspective, like we'll provide all of the marketing collateral, all the other information that you need for that uh will and then of course just like we said the, the game by definition starts creating those acquisition growth loops by themselves which is kind of a really big positive of this and uh you also you know you get you'll also have a lot of things you'll need to do yourself which would be um you know from setting everything up hiring and also um going into your local community and and bringing people in yeah. Cool. Okay. And is, is it going to be called uh, Black Box VR? Like when you go into Google Maps, I'm looking for a fitness gym. Like, right. Or will it? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I guess. So, yeah. It. One mm -hmm. comment. I'm wondering, like, you know, we've both been through the SEO and everything. Yeah, having the word fitness or gym or something in there might might be helpful for the franchises, but I, I don't really know how yeah. that. I mean, we do. We kind of have like a tagline of like VR fitness experience, or sometimes we'll put the word gym in there, especially for like uh, SEO or for uh, like Google Maps and stuff like that. But yeah, that's a good point. What's funny about that is when we first started, you know, bodybuilding.com, obviously a great, amazing name and, and it helped us in a lot of ways. The one negative a little bit was like we were attached to the dot com, you know, like it's almost weird now when you hear about like, what's your new website? I'm, you know, shoerunner.com or something. It's like, it sounds so old school. So we didn't want to like put us into something that was like a lot of people make up VR names that like kind of sound like they have a VR in the middle, like river with no E or, you know, so we tried to do something that was kind of abstracted from that a little bit and wouldn't be uh, stuck. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is super interesting. I gotta, I gotta try one out. Where, so where are the locations right now? And so right now it's in San Francisco, uh, like I said, right across from Twitter headquarters um, on Market Street, and then one here in Boise, Idaho. We're opening up another location here in Boise. 
is what we're calling like our franchise test location. So that way we're like, we're treating it like a franchise so we can get all those rest of those things set up so that once you sell price plow and you're bored, <laughs> we'll, we'll have it all ready for you. Yeah. Okay. And so the revenue model, when the, um, when someone signs up for your local franchise, can they travel to the other franchises or is that money coming into the franchise or is it coming to your corporate business and then the franchise is getting paid? How's that part work? It goes directly to the franchise, um, and then you would pay a royalty based on gotcha. uh, gross revenue. And there's usually the franchising. You can go out there and look at like a lot of these franchises. You can find what they're called franchise disclosure documents. Because there's a lot of like get rich quick type of franchises, mm -hmm. there's a lot of regulation around it. So you have to like file with uh, different states and countries, and you have to do it in a certain format. So you can start to actually research the differences between a bunch of them, a bunch of them. And usually it is like a you know seven or eight percent gross revenue royalty, which is just straight from there. And then there's usually a couple other little fees and other things where it comes to like service and things like that. So kind of all in, it's around 10% of, of the revenue would then go back up to headquarters. That sounds very reasonable, honestly. But yeah, I don't, I don't know the model. That's mm -hmm. awesome. All right. Well, yeah, Ben, I don't know if you have other, other questions that I've kind of gone into the business <laughs> stuff and the, and the fitness stuff. I I'm definitely, I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's exciting. I, um, well, I guess one of my concerns earlier is that I just don't see that I don't think you're going to get a lot of like hardcore gamers off the, off the couch, mm -hmm. but I don't think that's your demographic. So that kind mm -hmm. of like alleviates that and other technology companies are kind of pushing this forward. Do you have a team? Are you, are you sole founder or there's got, I'm imagining there's a co-founders and mm -hmm. tech guys and everything. You're not turning. Oh, correct. Yeah. Around. So uh, my co-founder, Preston Lewis, he worked with me at bottom for a lot of years. And then we've got like a team of like 30 people and a, a bunch nice. of uh, people working on the hardware side, the, the mobile app side, and of course the game side. So it's uh, it's it's a relatively small team for how many different things we're working on, which is you know that's startup mode, which I love, and it's obviously I, I no longer have that feeling I had for five minutes of like no stress, <laughs> you know, and I, maybe I look forward to that again someday. Uh, but it's yeah, it's definitely it, we have to have a, a good group of people doing this, and mm -hmm. I think onto your comment too, it's I, I think you'd be surprised how many of these more hardcore gamers do want to get off the couch and have struggled, and um, they're. Very, the really hardcore, which once again is definitely not the, the core. They're very introverted, of course, but they're very extroverted around people like them. And people like them are not at the gym today, that, that gyms, right? If anything, it's like that's where they feel uncomfortable because it's not their group. And so this is also a place where they can find, like maybe it's not everybody at Black Box is, is like them, but there will be a few of those people and they can just really kind of nerd out on some of the fun, you know, game aspects of it. It makes sense because it's not the gym. A gym is overwhelming to a lot of people. Um, what is your uh, male-female demographic ratio? Because like a lot of females are also intimidated by weight rooms and everything. But I don't. Th I don't even know how it is. I don't think they're as much into games as, as males. Uh, they they're into different type of games. You know, so it's it's still uh, <laughs> most people. 40 and younger, most women do play games. It might be more casual games, you know, like have you ever heard of Candy Crush? <laughs> you know, that's another billion dollar game and it's mostly women. Um, I've tried to get into it, just can't do it. Um, but it's, uh, you know, this probably is a good good thing, you know. Uh, but there, so it's different types of games for sure. So I'd say today we're probably like 70, 30, like male, female, because naturally their they're males are more hardcore, you know, more hardcore when it comes to gaming. And naturally more into resistance training, you know, versus like other type of things like uh, yoga and stuff. So we do, we definitely get a, a higher percentage of people that are, are into those type of things. So I actually have a couple, I have a, I have a 
topic of questioning that I'd, I'd love to go down if you're interested in, on just on VR in general. Um, you know, Mike kind of mentioned that we were a technology company turned into a media company. I look at us now as like very like creator company. And I've been fascinated by VR, uh, metaverse, all, all this stuff as a whole, but unable to see where it goes in general. Like obviously for you guys, you have proprietary hardware and software where you can host people and give them an experience. Um, sort of selfishly here, I'm kind of curious what you see just for creators in general with VR, because like I bought my mom an Oculus for Christmas last year. I played on it for three hours, came out into the real world and was like, this is so addicting. I can never own one of these myself. Um, (laughs) But I have kind of seen the writing on the wall. There's a possibility that as someone who, you know, we, we make YouTube, we make TikTok, Instagram, we, we do all of this stuff. There's a possibility that we might be implicated in this whole verse uh where, where do you where do you see all this technology going in general outside of just the black box room that's a great question you know what's interesting about vr is it we've got to most more think of it like wouldn't it be great if like we could be doing this podcast in person like obviously you know it would be expensive and time consuming to travel um, but optimally we would all be in the same room and we would be able to do that what vr does is it it basically deletes space you know like we are no longer have to be far apart or just on a video screen like when we do our meetings and when i'm doing other vr things like i'm inside an avatar kind of looks like me you can hear my voice it moves with my facial expressions obviously you can see my hands and things like that and you really do feel like there is another person right there you know and and that type of thing actually makes us that you can create these really fun experiences where you can be at this podcast, right? You can actually be there in the audience and you could be interacting with these people and feel like you really met them, you know, not just that you saw them on a screen or, or listened to them. You can um, do education type stuff there, right? So like right now, like if you want to get, uh, if you want to go to university, you're going to have to go to one that you can go to. This will make it so like the best professors, the best teachers in the world, you can actually be a part of it because you can go to them in VR. There's so many parts like that where you kind of almost got to think about like, if anything, like all the technology we have today is just kind of pretending to be the real world where it sounds funny because people think VR is like this, obviously just totally fake thing, but it's more like the real world than what we're doing right now or what we're doing scrolling on these different things. And there's that physical aspect of it. So it's, it, if you think of it that way, it's a great opportunity for creators because yeah, as we all know, right, it's very difficult for creators to break through the noise right now. Because everybody has Instagram and YouTube and, um, you know, everything. And this is that next level now where if you could be an early adopter of this, you could be like one of the first YouTube stars, <laughs> right? When that first came out. Yeah, I saw and I saw, I don't remember, don't remember which media outlet it was, but someone made it so that you could be courtside at an NBA game, right? You could, you could, you could be yeah. in that experience. You could be there. Um, what an interesting idea to do a podcast on VR. It, would you say that then the hurdle from there is the customer acquisition of the actual technology? Because like while we've been talking, it might get a lot of questions. So while I might have some free time, I was pulling up like <laughs> all of the different VR headsets and how much they cost, right? It's not, you know, it, well, I guess everyone owns an iPhone and those are thousands of dollars, but <laughs> it's it's not something that most people own at this point too, right? Because I, I assume that's right. a concern. It is for sure. Um, but kind of going back to uh, what we talked about at the beginning about being a visionary is seeing like where things are today and where things are going to go. And it's funny because that was the same thing people said about the internet back then. It's like, well, no one has internet and internet access is only in, in you know, these certain communities and it's very slow and who's going to, you know, who's going to like give their credit card out on the internet. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's crazy. You know? 
And, and that would be what people tell me all the time. I was like, there's no way. And like, I want to touch the product and feel like, like I want to talk to a person, you know, I don't want to like, just, you know, have it sent to me. And now of course that's, you know, the, the, that's what it is. And same with all these other parts of media. So for sure, like it's, we're in the early days. Um, when Apple comes out their headset in a couple of weeks, it's going to be very expensive and it will be hard for a lot of people to afford it. A lot of other companies are coming out with much cheaper headsets and you, there's just gotta be enough of your friends that are there that you have to be there also. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, why are we still on Facebook? Why are we on Instagram? It's because other people are there. And that's kind of getting to that moment where for work, you know, that's what really what Meta has pushed a lot is like the work aspect of it. And like I said, we do all our meetings in VR and you have to have a headset for that. Right. So work is providing it. Like forgot which company was, well, like Walmart is like given like they do all their training inside VR, um, which it was like one of the consulting agencies, like they bought 10,000 headsets for their 10,000 employees because they're going to work in VR. You're going to get a lot of push in that direction as well. Very cool. So if, if we had actually asked you, hey, can we do this podcast in VR? What would you have said? Would you have told me to go get an Oculus or something like that? Uh, yep. I mean, um, this is a Quest Pro. And so you can you can get an Oculus. You know, they don't call it Oculus anymore, which I think is the best. Oh, thing, I don't you know get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, They changed their name, which because everyone knows Oculus, so big, big controversy. But yeah, basically, if you have a MetaQuest uh, uh, device, which is like $400, right? So it's not cheap, but it's definitely not like the most expensive thing. You would be able to go in and, and meet with me in VR. And we could do all this stuff, as well as all the other things you could do, which there are cardio games out there. There are a whole bunch of of learning type of apps, obviously fun game experiences. But what's fun is you can also connect by video. So they are kind of creating that bridge where like, if you don't have a VR headset, few of us can be in there and you'd see our avatars and other people can be watching it by video. Uh, just so at least everybody can participate. Wow. Okay. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, t- I'm t- okay. I'm at the age where I'm like tired of technology change a little bit. I'm kind of getting stuck in my ways. I think I could do that though. But um, I guess one of my concerns, like having a young daughter and I, I we're not going to stop where the world's going, but I want her to be able to have physical contact, work with physical art, talk, be able to talk to adults and be able to talk to people um, and not get stuck in the pod. You know, we joke about, you know, living in the pod and eating the bugs and all that stuff. So like, it seems like I'm not sure what your take is on that, but it seems like at least you're bringing fitness into this. And that's what I'm like really in physical fitness, you know? Yeah. So that's what I'm really excited about. Um, but I guess like, what is your statement to people like me who don't want to get sucked into the pod too much? Like, I think, uh, I think there's, I don't think there's any technology that's come out over the last 20 years that we haven't got sucked into. <laughs> you know, I don't think right. uh, you could still be off the internet. Like you don't have to be on the internet, you know, you don't have to be doing all these things or mobile phones and stuff. And so for sure it's, it is going to be that next wave. And what's great is most people, right? Like it, I love this idea that like all of our kids are right now out playing in nature all day. And now they're going to, Oh crap. Now they're going to be stuck in VR. Really they're stuck on TikTok and Snapchat and, and other video games, just sitting and not, not participating and not being physical. So at least at a minimum, VR brings you into something that's more physical. So you are moving. So my youngest son, um, he's 14. He's probably the most into VR in the household, um, other than me, of course. And he, it's so fun because he, he goes into this game called Rec Room and you can make your own games. So he, he's a creator in Rec Room where, he is very active. He comes out like sweaty, you know, and he has built games where he has a whole bunch of people that he's brought together that he's met and he's hanging out with them and he's guiding them on. Yeah, you got to do this. And now we're going to do this kind of thing. And he's doing leading, leading things. It's actually been really cool versus just sitting on a computer playing Grand Theft Auto or something, right? Like he's, he's building and creating and mostly it's kind of like, like Minecraft in a way, right? Like people are out there creating 
and you're with these other people, he actually learns a lot uh, when it comes to social dynamics from that, which obviously we wouldn't want him to be there 24 <laughs> seven, but there's a very positive aspect versus TikTok and uh, normal video games. I see that. Yeah. I had a, I have a buddy who's um, about 10 years ago. He, he told me, he's like, dude, you, you, if you have a son, he's got to have an Xbox or he's got a game because this is how the guys are at this point. You're on the outside if you don't. But what he said, and I, I think it, it might come true, is that the way that the boys interact on these headsets um, mm-hmm. and the way the girls were just texting a lot. His, his, his theory was that the boys are going to become uh, what the girls used to you know, talk on the phone back in our day and everything on the landlines more than mm-hmm. we did and everything. But he, his theory was that the boys are going to become better at socializing because of the trash talking on the headsets and everything. So that kind of like turned my, turned my opinion a little bit. So um, mm-hmm. it, it sounds really, really exciting what he's doing there. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole thing with the home, um, home VR. And if like box box came to homes, how would you work like wh- with, uh, with safety and everything? Like, I don't want you obviously don't want people running into walls and stuff. Like, is there, mm-hmm. are there good constraints on all that? There are. Yeah. So the good thing is the devices that are out there, they, they've got, uh, ability to show you where everything is. Like you actually like map out your space. And so if you get close to it, a wall starts to show up. So, and, and there's like pass through modes now where it's like, if you get too close, like you're going to hit something, it'll actually turn on the cameras on the front. So you'll see what's there. There's even where like, you can see like your dog walking through, you know? Um, but, but I still say like, watch out if I'm playing a boxing game and you get in the way, like it's not going to be good. <laughs> you know? But what's, so they have a lot of great stuff for that when it comes to the safety of that. And that's, that's getting better all the time. Of course, death sensors with LIDAR and things like that. So it's, it's very, it's very well thought out that way. It's still fun to watch fail videos though, uh, where people are running into things. <laughs> Cause right. they sometimes forget their like, VR, start running <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. And someone who hasn't used it yet, sometimes that's all you get to see is like a video on Twitter where someone's running to the wall. I'm like, well, I don't know if right. I want my kid doing that, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah right. And that's the sensationalism of, of social media. Of course. There's a, there's a whole subreddit called VR to ER. Where it's people posting like it's, yeah, it's usually people like punching a wall or something, you know, and then they're hurt their hand, but, it's yeah, it's pretty rare, but what we'll see is like there's some of these games where you can like pretend to like felt like jump off a plank. You know, it's called Richie's Plank Experience, where you you go in this elevator, brings you up, the elevator opens up, you're like 30 stories above the ground. It's like a city below you, and there's this little plank. You know, like a like walk the plank. So you walk out, and then you say, okay, now step off just to the side, and you're gonna fall. And like I swear to God, like probably. 20% of grown men will not do it. Like they just won't. They know they're in a headset. They're just, I'm not going to step off. You know, and, but the people that do. Like you feel it, right? Because once again, your brain thinks this is it. Like we're falling, and um, so sometimes people will react in some crazy way, just like that, where they'll then they'll fall over on in real life, or they will, you know, some scary monster comes at them and they start running, you know, and yeah. they go into the wall. But that just kind of goes to how much uh, immersion that really is. Okay, so you're into the studies, obviously. You've kind of cited a bunch already. What is um is is there any research on being able to walk the plank and jump off in VR, does that change behaviors mm-hmm. in real life? And can that induce riskier behavior in real life? Like obviously mm-hmm. black box isn't a concern with black box or anything, unless we're pulling shoulders or whatever, but uh, do you know any, any research where behavior? Um, I haven't seen anything like that. I mean, I think it's almost, there's a lot of research on video games in general, of course. And, and overall they've shown that they don't increase violence. They don't actually cause people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. If anything, for some people, it's an outlet, you know, it's like maybe like the, one of the positives could be somebody that might be that type of person can get that aggressive aggression out through these games. 
but people are pretty smart. They realize the difference of jumping off a plank in VR, <laughs> you know, or real life. It's, I'm trying to think if I had any of my friends lately that's jump off a building, like, no, I don't think so, <laughs> you know, since they tried that. But it's, yeah, there's, uh, if anything, it, it might be even the opposite where people can have some of these experiences where they can, they can learn how to do things like, you can learn how to operate like a, a crane or you can learn how to change a motor. Um, there's actually full games where it's like you can go in there and learn how to do change it, you know, to, to work on a, a car motor and you can do it in a safe environment, right? They, they're training like doctors and, and nurses. One example here in Boise State was like inserting catheters. Um, obviously, we hope that they have good training on that before they do it on a real person, you know, and usually the training would be like with cadavers, but that's there's only so many and you can only do so many reps, right? Like I can only practice twice and then I have to go on a real person because we all got to practice. Where they did a study where they actually practice in VR, which it's all, the great thing is like it's in 3D. You're touching things, you're moving things. And they actually showed after that, the people that practiced in VR were better than the people that didn't. And there's so much of that when it comes to sports training, like all the different, you know, you can practice a lot more and do those reps versus having to go out to a field, have your whole team there, hope the weather is good, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Okay. I don't know how much time mm -hmm. you have. I have one more question. Just yeah. okay. No, so <laughs> with with Black Box, we um I, I had a nerve injury a few years ago and my I have the ability to to do certain things strong, but I will have problems if I if I get too crazy. So is there a way of telling your machine that I need to go easy on a certain muscles or something like that? Like, yes, I can go stronger, but it's going to mess me up. You know? So like, how does that work? There is a little bit. I mean, there is a little bit of like, you've got to know like your limits and that there's certain things you just can't do. Right. Like we've had people that like, yeah, they have some type of injury where they just can't do certain movements. And so they can do the things that they can do. And like, once again, like certain things, like if you can't deadlift, you're just not going to be as good at the game which, you know, there's, there's ways around it and there's things you can do. It's just, you're not going to progress quite as quickly in our game. We measure everything you do. That's the other fun thing about VR. It's like, I know exactly what you did. I know exactly how far your reps were like down to like the millimeter, right? I know how fast you did. It's like, we can measure power and like work and, and obviously volume. We know, we know exactly the rotation of your hands, you know, like, so it's not just that you're doing this. We know that it's turned just like a couple degrees in certain directions. So we can measure everything in a lot of detail. And we can motivate you to make sure you're doing it the correctly, right? You're doing full reps, that you're holding things correctly, and that you're doing the exercise the right way. But there's also the part of it that's going to automatically detect how much resistance it gives you. So when you first go into your onboarding, you're going to do a couple of like kind of little test games and say, okay, we're, we think you could do, let's say, one rep max on, on bench of like, you know, uh, 150. So we're going to measure everything based on that. And then we're going to watch you every single set after that. And we're then going to use the algorithms and some of the machine learning backend and some of that AI in order to say, what do we think you can do? Does it need to go up or down? Should it go up fast? Because, well, you did way more than we thought. Like a personal trainer, right? Like if you gave me 20-pound dumbbells and said, do something, and you wanted me to get 10 reps and I did 30, you would know to jump it up. We can do it like with down to like 0.1 pound kind of jumps. So I think the long answer is that we would make sure you're doing things correctly, and then we would slowly progress you at, based on your limits. So we're not going to like try to push you past where you're, where you're comfortable. Okay. So like, uh, using dead, thank you. That's, that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. Using deadlifts as an example, are you looking at the, the, the person's back for instance? Uh, to a point, like we can infer things. There's this idea called inverse kinematics, where if you know certain points of the body, you can guess where other things are. Right. So obviously I, if I know, we know where your head is, we know which way you're facing. So I can pretty much guess that your chest is right here, <laughs> you know, like kind of high level and same with like your arms. Like you can really tell, like if my arm is positioned like this, there's only so many places where other body parts can be. So with deadlifts, like as long as we know 
that where your arms are and you're holding onto the, the cables because the cables are down at the bottom at that point of the, of the machine. And we know which, where you're looking. So we can tell, like, even if you're holding your neck sideways, because sometimes people kind of look that way. And in real time, we can say, look straight. And it tells you, like, you know, stop doing that, you know. And then we can also, um, if you don't do the reps, you know, full reps, then it's kind of like, um, you know, if you had a, a gun on a game and you did, you press the wrong button, it's not going to fire. So you can do as many bad reps as you want. It's not going to fire. So we, we're not, we're trying not to be like, there's a video in there too. Like it actually shows you like a video of what you should be doing that we record and stuff, but we can measure really pretty closely. Like if your head is, is looking a certain way and your arms are here and we can tell basically infer from that, what your back is doing, where your legs are and uh, then give you the guidance that you need. Awesome. I got one last question. <laughs> uh, so you talked about like, you know, if your head's here, you can uh, infer other things or other places. Have you considered uh, adding to the arsenal of black box VR? I know like, uh, uh, was it uh, Wuji, the haptic vests and stuff like that? There's, there's a lot mm -hmm. of other possibilities that have been in kind of in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Have you looked at expanding from there? We have, um, and we're definitely very interested in that. You know, we want to make sure that obviously there's a cost component to all those things. And we want to make sure like the suiting up time is not too long because if, if you have to spend a lot of time putting a bunch of things on, that's also going to make it that we'd be able to get less people in your workouts going to take longer. Cause an interesting part about being, you know, from a physical location is, you know, for us 14 booths, by definition, we can have a maximum of 14 people working out at the same time. And so, and then how many per day can we get in if they're, you know, 30 minute workouts with like 10 minutes in between for cleaning and suiting up and getting the next person in. So we look at it like, okay, what's our max capacity? And obviously there's only certain hours of the day and the week that people are going to want to do it. So that's kind of the long answer. Like we're trying to keep it pretty simple, but there's a lot of really cool things coming that with those type of, uh, you know, like haptic vests where, yeah, you can, you can feel where you're getting hit, you know, which is like a, a, a even more immersive experience. We can put trackers on yeah. other parts of your body so we can get even more detail. Um, but there's, what's fun is like, it's, it's very similar to bottomline.com. Like in the beginning days, there was no Shopify. There was no ability to do flash, right? And then when flash came out and I saw things moving on a screen, it wasn't just a, you know, a, a boring, like a Craigslist lift looking website. And it's like, holy cow. And like, we get all these things are going to be are being developed that we can now can just bring into our experience and make it even better and hopefully cheaper, you know, as they get cheaper over time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I love what mm -hmm. you guys are doing. Uh, I want to find all the ways that we can do VR stuff as well. I think this is such a wildly interesting thing. So uh, I'm sure Mike has an outro, but from my side, thank you so much for, for joining us. This has been really cool. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. Thank you topic. so much again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This has been fun. Um, I don't know if you want to wrap it up with anything else. I, I just want to say like, I, I really appreciate everything you did. Obviously. Um, when I tell the price plow Genesis story, I, I mentioned that it was really the bodybuilding.com forums where I saw that users were really trying to, this is the content side of our platform where users were trying to get information and they were sharing and sharing and it was tough to find studies and everything. And there were people like, Hey, you got a university to count, you have a study. And then we saw like certain companies just using egregious marketing and crazy bar charts and stuff like that. And that's where I realized like, we should start talking about ingredients and start explaining that. And that's really um, whenever we talk to like an ingredient supplier, why we love doing content. Bodybuilding.com forums are like are part of that story. And so like, thank you for making that obviously because you brought so many people together and it's, it's greatly appreciated. And it seems like you're about to do that again by bringing a whole other type of person together um, once again. So I, I, I'm like, 
I wasn't sure coming in, like what I would think about the VR stuff. And now I'm like, Ben and I are chatting on the side about, okay, we got to get a VR headset and see who we're going to podcast mm-hmm. with in virtual reality, yeah. reality land. So I'm, uh, I'm totally stoked. And just like seeing that you have that crystal ball and I think you've articulated it incredibly well. I'm, I'm stoked. It's, it's what really we exciting. What we did talk about is, uh, you know, the AI aspect, which obviously we're all watching very closely. And what's really exciting about the, all this generative AI is that that's going to make us a, people can create even faster in VR and we're going to have these personalized experiences and, and it's going to really learn from us. And we're going to be able to use it at black box in so many great ways, just to develop things faster as well as to give better advice back to people and, and see what they're doing. But we're on this cusp VR plus AI these next couple of years, it's, it's going to completely transform everything. And some people there's that dystopian side of it, but to me, it brings access. It brings people together. It's going to create uh, this one-to-one personalized experience of everything you've ever wanted in a lucid dream, you know, and you, everyone's going to have that lucid dream and your friends are going to be in there in that lucid dream. And uh, it's going to really, it's going to make things a lot better for a lot of people. Amazing. Do you mind tell, telling us like, so you are actively using and, and working with AI. Do you have any specifics about that? Um, what's the most important part, like the world making or having AI program better workouts? Like what, what's the key for you? Um, there's many different parts of it, but you know, we're really into chat GPT of course, and GPT four, just uh, how useful that is for writing content, creating content, creating VO scripts, creating stories. Like it's like, you know, usually it's a lot of manual work on that stuff in games, but then also, you know, we actually, the latest version of our game, we created VO using, uh, AI VO voiceover. So that, you know, we didn't have to go out and get those made, which take time. And obviously it's more expensive. These ones we can change in real time if we wanted to. So it's like, you can actually have different VO for different types of things or different voices. But the other part of it is video games are very expensive to make. You know, people don't realize, you know, cause it seems like, oh, just make a game. You know, it's like, but there's so much to it and it's getting better, of course. But when you hear about like, these big games, of course, taking like, you know, 10,000 people and like, you know, $100 million to build these games because there's so many little details of it. And now with a lot of these new AI, like art generative models where it can create skyboxes, which is basically like when you're in a VR world and you're looking around that basically it's a circle around you. It's like the sky. You can create them in real time. You can create all these different assets, 3D models. Just, oh, we're going to get this little 3D model, this little thing. We got to get an artist. We got to get a, a, somebody to go create the 3D models. If you want to make a move, you got to rig it and animate it. It's like all these things. Now it's like with AI, it's going to go so much faster. And so the idea is like, that's a really positive, obviously, because there's going to be so much more content, you know, all these like videos and all these things. But it's going to be very difficult for people to stand out when there's everybody's creating so much content. So it's really going to have to come down to something unique that that you've got and a, a viewpoint or a way that you're using it that's difficult for other people and for us it's the exercise machine and the actual location and bringing people together at that location and i keep saying like i said this at bodymillion.com like we're always gonna have a business until they create that pill that gives you all the benefits of exercise <laughs> you know some nanotechnology which ai will probably create so i think we've all got probably like five or ten years left to, to create something before that takes over incredible <laughs> right we got one last question when you before you step into the, into the black box, what is your current pre workout? <laughs> That's funny. Um, I just finished um, some Optimum Amino Energy. I'm still really big on that. Um, I love the cage muscle uh, pre workouts. Of course, I change them up from time to time. But maybe it's a boring answer. But Amino Energy, I like the the feeling you get from it. You know, it's not just the caffeine. It's like the beta alanine, where it's like I know I took it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and it's probably a little placebo there. But I, I basically, I am definitely a. I take more supplements now than I ever have. And I always wonder that, like, 
when you're working somewhere like, oh no, this is the best thing ever. And then you don't work there anymore. And maybe you don't care about it. I take more supplements than ever. The basics, of course, you know, but I love it. And, and I'm a, definitely a fast caffeine metabolizer because I, I drink a lot. Man, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had an old stash of scream somewhere that you had just been using for years. I, I think I, there's a few of those around somewhere. <laughs> yeah. OGs yeah, will remember. Fact, if you have any extra. Yeah. OGs <laughs> remember extra. the scream. That, that's, that's OG. So cool. Oh yeah. yeah. That's actually some PTSD for me right there also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dealing with all these vendors and what this ingredient and they're saying this, and they're saying this and yeah, that could be a whole other episode. <laughs> I hope we get to Maybe do that. Maybe we'll someday. do that one in VR. We'll, we'll yeah, we'll talk about like, the, yeah, yeah, VR. The, we'll do the, that the next one in VR. I love it. Cool. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much once again for joining us. Thank you very much for having me.